Hey Trademark, how you guys doing this week? I hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in and uh, staying in touch with us. We're going to continue to encourage you to connect, so make sure you're reaching out to myself and Adam and texting us, messaging us on Instagram, however you best can reach us. Do that, connect with us, and uh, make that a priority. We need to stay connected, especially in this time, so we're going to challenge you to keep doing that. I want to get right into the message. I'm so excited that we're jumping into Acts now, and Adam did such a great job last week as he introduced us and the way this series is going to function. And just a reminder of how this is going to work. We're not going through Acts verse by verse in our Wednesday night sermon time. Rather, what we're doing is we're, we're just picking out some key points that, that we want to talk on here, preach through. And then Friday, we do our Zoom call at 1 p.m. And we're inviting all of you to tune in for that every single week. And we'll walk through uh, the portions of Acts just verse by verse and really dig in deep to that. Uh, so if, if you want to do that, if you want to connect, if you want to just talk face-to-face, don't miss our Zoom call. Uh, Friday's at 1 p.m. You can get the number there for the meeting uh, number um, on our IG, or you can text us. We're, we just want to get as many people there as possible, so don't miss those studies. Um, let me pray, and we'll get right into it. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the book of Acts, God, and, and how it challenges us, encourages us, and, and draws us back to how you would have us live. May we be just moved by your word. May we understand you better today because we tuned in tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just recap, last week Adam introduced us to the story of Acts and, and he kept saying this over and over again. It just stuck with me. Jesus moves in power with purpose. Jesus moves in power with purpose. And then he, he made this kind of bold statement that Acts is about Jesus. It, it, it's more about Jesus than it really is the apostles. It's Jesus working in power with purpose. And he does that through his people. He does that through the apostles. And, and he, he does a mighty work through them. But it's, it's Jesus who's doing the work. It's Jesus the one who's, who's making this impact. And, and what we see, and, and, and Adam pointed this out to us, we, we see real growth take place in the body of believers there. We see thousands added to their number. We see sacrifices that they're willing to make for each other, that they had things in common and they were sharing their need as they met together. And, and so we see the church really boom and we get a really a beautiful model for how God's church should, should look and how it should function. And, and we're going to get a fuller picture this week of how the power of Jesus affects his people how his power actually affects his people, how it moves and interacts with his people. And, and let me just recap you of where we're going. We're going to be actually in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Now I'm skipping chapter 3, but in chapter 3, we see a, a healing take place. We see someone who is lame begin to walk, and we see the gospel is preached. And when the gospel is, is preached, they're, they're saying that God created you, that you sinned, that Jesus died in your place, that you might have forgiveness through him. And, and he calls them to repent. Peter calls them to repent. It's a, it's a dynamite sermon. 
worth your attention. Go check that out in, in chapter in chapter two and in and, and, and chapter three, we have Peter just really laying it on of what the gospel is. And, and we're gonna continue today. And, and here's the, the big idea of, of what I believe we're supposed to be drawing from chapter four. What I want you to take home tonight, and that's this, to proclaim the truth. To proclaim the truth, no matter what, proclaim the truth. Proclaim the gospel, double down on the truth and, and never relent with it. Just keep proclaiming what is true and what is good. And we're gonna see that take place here. I'm gonna start reading in chapter four, verse one, it says this. And, and, and this is about Peter and John. It says, as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadduce Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the, the, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now, now we're going to pick it up again, but, but let's just stop there because here's what happens, right? We, we see that these religious leaders of their day, and specifically says the Sadducees here. Now, just some quick facts. The Sadducees were a group of Jews who didn't believe in the resurrection. And in fact, we, we think most of the Sadducees didn't even believe past the first five books of the Bible. And, and so when Peter comes on the scene and he's like, no, the resurrection is real. This is the truth that I'm proclaiming to you. You need to believe in Jesus and you will rise again with him. That, that truth was proclaimed, and I love that it says that they were annoyed. That they were annoyed. You see, when we proclaim the truth, it changes the narrative. It changes the narrative of the story. The, the Sadducees and the leaders of that, the, that day were telling a totally different story about God. And really what they were doing is painting a, a picture of God that wasn't fully true. And Peter comes on the scene. Remember last week, Adam talks about how he was a witness and we are witnesses. And so when he comes on the, the scene, he's like, here's what I saw. I spent years with, with Jesus. I know this truth. This is the truth. And I've seen Jesus rise from the grave and you can rise again as well. And so this truth comes on the scene and it changes the whole narrative and the gospel really does two things. And we've talked about this a few times. The gospel, and here the word is annoys you. So one option is you'll hear the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus loves you. He died for you. He has a plan for your life that you need to repent of your sin and declare him as savior and Lord of your life. That, that either will annoy you and, and, and make you angry and kind of just stir something in you that you just don't like, that you don't agree with, or it'll stir you to believe in him, to love him, to serve him, to lay your life down for him. And, and so this truth that we proclaim changes the narrative. It completely changes the narrative. And, and for the Sadducees, it annoyed them. But, but don't miss this because it said that, that many believed. In fact, the number they give us here is about 5,000 men. About 5,000 men believed. And so every time you proclaim the truth, every time you change the narrative back to the truth, every time you change the, the narrative back to Jesus and you proclaim that truth with boldness, yes, guaranteed, there will be people who are annoyed with you. Absolutely. 
And yet, guaranteed, there are people whose hearts will be stirred and drawn to that truth, who will declare Jesus as Savior and Lord, and so proclaim the truth, no matter what, change their narrative. And then, as we walk through this, we're going to see there's two attacks on the church. And and the first attack comes when they arrest um, Peter and John, and they put them on trial for this truth, for proclaiming the truth. They were arrested and put on trial, and, and they're asked this pointed question that where I kind of left you hanging, by what power or by what name did you do this? And then keep reading in verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is a salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I love it. What guts, what boldness. It says that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when we proclaim the truth, we change the narrative. And when we come under attack and when the gospel comes under attack, when the truth of Jesus Christ comes under attack, what do we do? What is our defense against these attacks, against the truth of Jesus Christ? And what we see in this story is that Peter just doubled down. Not only does proclaiming the truth change the narrative, but when it comes under attack, we need to just repeat the same truth. Repeat the narrative. Just keep saying the truth again and again and again. There is no other truth. P- Peter goes pretty, pretty hard in that direction. There's no other truth. There's no other name. There's, there's no soft way to say this. This is the truth. This is the narrative. And if you want to ask me where my power came from, you want to ask me how this man was healed, you want to ask me for a different answer, you will not find one. Peter repeats the narrative. The power is Jesus Christ. The power is Jesus Christ, and and, and it's such an amazing thing. And so he just responds to this attack in this way, and then they keep going, and they're they're just, they don't know what to do. (laughs) They they do not know what to do with what he just said. In verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them. And they charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So, so, so Peter and John 
change the narrative by proclaiming the truth. By proclaiming the truth, they just repeat the narrative. And, and then we see this cool thing, and, and I hope this is an encouragement to you, because I, I don't know, some, sometimes I, I think people sit under a sermon that's like, hey, tell your friends about Jesus. Proclaim the gospel. Spread the word. Evangelize. Just, just keep telling the world. And, and inside, you're like, I want to. I really do. I just don't know enough. I just don't have the confidence enough. I'm, I'm not Peter. I'm not John. I'm not Pastor Gabe. I'm not Adam. I, I can't do that stuff. Like, you just don't understand it, and I'm with you. I hear that. But, but listen to, and maybe there's just some, some subtle encouragement here. And, and here's how I like to say it, because they were looking at it, and they were just like, man, these guys don't know anything. They're, they were unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. Two things were evident. One, they weren't super intelligent. They don't know all the, the facts. They weren't necessarily as smart as the Sadducees and the leaders that day, but they knew Jesus. And so in a lot of ways, if, if you want to proclaim the truth, you, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know Jesus. You don't need to be smarter than the person you're talking to. You just need to know the truth. Change the narrative. Proclaim that truth. Change the narrative. Repeat the narrative. Trust that truth. You, you see, when it comes to proclaiming the truth, it, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not that you know every page of the Bible, although we should be s- students of the word and study this, this book, but it's really who you know. Do you know Jesus? They knew Jesus, and by knowing Jesus, they knew more truth than those who tried them. Because they had spent time with Jesus, because they understood the character of Jesus, they knew more of the truth, capital T, because truth, and we say this all the time, truth is a, a person. Truth is a, a person. So get to know your Savior and Lord. And, and how do we do that? Well, we do that in worship. Just singing songs of praise to him and letting him ca- ca- change our hearts and connecting what we know of him to what we feel and understand. And, and so we, we understand him more as we worship. We, we certainly understand him more by studying his word, by sitting under good preaching. We know him. We know him in prayer. And so get to know Jesus more than anything else. If you're struggling with boldness, if you're struggling with proclaiming the truth, if you're struggling with telling others about Jesus, if you're just struggling with having some confidence in your faith, spend more time getting to know your king. Spend more time in worship, more time in prayer, more time studying God's word, and ask your questions. Ask your questions. You know, you have more time than ever to Open your Bible, read it, study it, text me or Adam and, or, or the, the IG page, whatever, and ask your questions. We'd love to walk through this with you. Get to know your king. It, it's so valuable. It's, it's more valuable than being able to answer all the, the answers on a test right. Just, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And the story keeps going, and, uh, and, and it, it, it's quite powerful as they continue to do this, and, and they had no way to um, punish them. But then we see that because of the boldness of Peter and John, that the whole church gets stirred up. It says in verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves 
themselves and uh, the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. That's like everyone's against you. Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. See, as they see what they're up against. They see the attacks of the enemy. They, they see the attacks of the rulers and, and, and the authorities of their day. They were witnesses to what Jesus went through. They, they, they saw him get betrayed. They, they saw him go to the cross. They, they saw him get beaten. They were witnesses. They know what they're up against. They're up against something terrible. They're up against rules and authority who are completely opposed to them. And in the face of that, and now some of their leaders had just been arrested. And this is early days for the church. Some of their leaders had just been arrested and tried. And when they see all these trials coming against them, it's so cool that they pray for boldness. They don't pray for deliverance. They don't pray for victory. They don't, they don't pray for, for their leaders to be, for God to smite them, just erase them off the planet. They don't pray for them to just be, become muted or something crazy. Instead, they look at the opposition. They look at the challenge in front of them. They look at the enemies coming their way. And when they go to their heavenly father, they say, Lord, give us boldness. Boldness to what? Boldness to proclaim the truth. Boldness to repeat the truth, to change the narrative, to keep saying the truth of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news that Jesus went to the cross, that he died for the sins of the world, that he rose again in three days, that we might have forgiveness and eternal life with him. That truth. They prayed for boldness. See, boldness gives you a front row seat to the power of the gospel. Boldness gives you a front row seat to the power of the gospel, when, when you're bold with this truth, you get to see what God's going to do. You, you get to sit front row and watch Jesus work in the hearts of people you love. Watch Jesus work in the hearts of people you don't even know. Watch how Jesus moves and impacts the world, and, and, and you get a front row seat to his power. His power, moving in power with purpose, that, that he, is, he is accomplishing his mission, that he is changing the world around you, and you get a front row seat all because you prayed for boldness, you received boldness, and you stepped out with a holy confidence proclaiming his truth. That This is so powerful as, as we just continue in this. I, I wanna just kind of sum up what I just said. One, proclaim the truth. Change the narrative, repeat the narrative, and the truth is a person. His name is Jesus. Uh, just a reminder of our vision statement here at MCA. MCA exists. Our purpose. Jesus moves in power with purpose. Our purpose. MCA exists to expose the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. That, that's, that's why we exist. They pray for boldness. Boldness to continue to proclaim that truth. And then they get their second attack. They get their second attack. And the attack comes from within. And this is a, a crazy story. 
that, that people actually like to read because it's just kind of crazy and out there. And it's, it's chapter five, verse one, and it says this, but a man named uh, Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Now let me just sum it up because I didn't read it. You, you can go and read this, but what people were doing was they were selling some of their land and they were generously giving it. They weren't asked to do this. They didn't have to do this. They were just generously giving uh, the profits from their, selling their land and the ex- excess that they had and giving it to the church so the church could use it to continue to bless others and expand the, the kingdom. And so uh, they, they were doing that. And so we're going to look at the story of Ananias and Sapphira because they get ready to go and do that same thing. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out immediately. She fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in and they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. So so the second attack that we're looking at in this story, they get attacks from outside the church from their enemies and yet in the church they get attacks, attacks from within the body of believers there. And we, we don't get a lot of insight into who Ananias and Sapphira were. We don't know how influential they were in that church. We don't know if they were true believers or, or just kind of walking through this, trying to figure it out. But, but, but something is taught here. And, and, and not only do we need to proclaim the truth because that connects us to the character of God. Remember, Jesus is truth. But the second thing that I want to point out to you is that we need to fear all lies. We need to proclaim the truth with boldness and fear all lies. Jesus' character is truth. The devil is a liar, right? Jesus' character is truth, and, and Satan is a liar. He, he's he's the, the prince of deceit. He, he does a totally different, um, he has a totally different character trait than Jesus. Jesus is truth. Satan lies. And so not only do we need to proclaim the truth with boldness, but we need to fear the lies. Now, now we need to fear lying, and, and we need to fear those who do lie. And, and, and I love that, that the Bible doesn't hold any punches. It says that great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Well, what kind of fear and, and why were they afraid? Well, I think they understood how serious representing the character of Christ was. They understood that when you represent Christ in truth, you're going to see him work. You're going to experience his blessing, his provision, even in the face of opposition, even in, in trials. You're going to still see him blessing, providing, carrying you, encouraging you. And yet, 
When you lie, even a subtle lie, even a lie that doesn't seem super significant, you're misrepresenting the character of Christ. And in that, you should be afraid because he, he protects his own character. He protects himself. And so we must not be people who tell lies. We must be people who proclaim the truth with boldness. We need to fear all lies. See, lying makes boldness difficult. As someone as, uh, who struggled with lying, lying was, was something I, I, I did a lot, especially in high school. I got good at it. This was like something I prided myself in. But, but there's something interesting. When you're in a lie, even if it's a subtle lie, it's hard to be bold with it. You don't want to talk about it too much. You don't want to you don't want to lie too big. You, you, you got to be really careful. You're walking on eggshells because you're lying and you know you're lying and you're just hoping no one else knows you're lying. So you got to be really careful with how you tell these lies. And so what lying does is it removes boldness. It removes confidence because you're caught in a lie. Whether you've been caught or not, you've caught yourself. You've trapped yourself and, and, and taken away your ability to be bold because you can't be bold because there's no truth in what you're saying and what you're doing. So we need to fear all lies and and strive for truth see the truth is powerful the truth is powerful when the truth is happening in the church when the truth is happening in your life when we see the truth happening in in acts we see that it grows the church when 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 there's a body of believers who are boldly proclaiming the truth they're speaking the truth every single day they're telling the world who jesus is it grows the church you should be doing this you should be telling your close-knit circle you should be telling your family your friends those in your household those that you have uh, easy communication with you should be proclaiming this across your social platforms you should be proclaiming the truth it grows the church boldness gives you a front row seat to what god is doing so it grows the church not only that but the truth protects the church it protects the church because we're standing on the word of God, the, the, only, the only full truth, the word of God. We're standing on that truth. It gives us a boldness to proclaim it. And, and, and it unifies the church. One of the, the, the great things that, that we see here happening with Ananias and Sapphira is there was disunity in the way they were living within the body of believers that was so unified. Well, we need to speak the truth to proclaim the truth, to change the narrative, to repeat the narrative. And in that, in striving for that, with that kind of boldness and that kind of power, that kind of front row seat to the work of God, we will see the church, we will see trademark. You will see your circle of friends unified around Jesus. You'll see your church grow. You'll see yourself and your church protected by that truth. You, you'll, you'll see that, that God is doing an amazing work in you and through you. And, and what's really cool, as Adam pointed out to us last week, and I'll end with this, is when we realize that Acts is about Jesus and, and his power with purpose, then Acts is not a story that cannot be lived out in our life. Acts is not a story of great men, and they, they, the apostles were great men. It's a story that you and I can strive for. We can speak the same truth, the same gospel message that Peter proclaimed with such boldness. We can pray for boldness in the face of our trials, in the face of our enemies. We can fear lying and fear the lies and, and strive for unity. And, and that's our challenge. That's the challenge that every believer has. That's the challenge that you have, is to proclaim the truth, change the narrative, repeat the narrative. And remember, the truth is a person. It's not what you know. It's who you know. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Pray for boldness to proclaim that truth and fear all lies.
Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for Trademark, their love for you. Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity they have to grow in this season. I pray that they would capitalize on the time they have, that they would be found in your word, proclaiming your truth in, to their friends, to their family, across their social platforms. God, would you do what you have always done? Would you continue to grow your church? Would you continue to protect your church? Would you continue to unify your church? It's in your name we pray. It's in your name we pray. And God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Lord Jesus, give your students boldness as they share this truth. We love you. Amen.